there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am Paul Caputo, SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent, broadcasting live, as always, from the Helmet Sunday Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. On this episode, we're going to be talking about the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, who are a high A affiliate of the San Diego Padres. I'm going to be speaking later on in this episode with Tiffany Chen of the design firm Sky Design. I'm going to be speaking with Logan Weening of the Old Fort Baseball Company. And I'll also be speaking with Bob Dispenza, who is a historian with Allen County Parks in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So right now, I'm very happy to be joined by Michael Limmer, who is the vice president for marketing with the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, who started with the team way back when they were the Fort Wayne Wizards. Michael started in 1999 as an intern with the team and has been with the team for most of that time since then. Michael, thank you so much for joining me. Happy to be here. Oh, man, this is a fun team. And, and, and like I said, this is at the time of this recording, we are going to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps as part of our baseball Palooza trip. Uh, when this drops, we will have been to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. So there's, there's going to be some verb tense challenges for me as we talk about this, uh, as this drops in the future here. First of all, let's, let's just start with the, the Wizards. There's a great history with the, the Apple logo and the Tin Caps, but the, the fact that the team was the Wizards before they rebranded as the, as the Tin Caps, what was the significance of the, the Wizards name that they had from 1993 until 2008? Well, I think, I think the best answer to that is there, there really wasn't any significance. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing that came, again, I wasn't with the team, when they, they moved from Kenosha, Wisconsin, they were the Kenosha Twins. They moved to Fort Wayne in 1993 um, into Memorial Stadium, which had just been constructed. Um, I, honestly, I think from talking with the folks that were here in 93, when I got here in 99, was the alliteration. The fact that it was Fort Wayne Wizards. It was a W into a W. Uh, at the time, there wasn't a Washington Wizards. There wasn't a Kansas City Wiz, which was the first soccer team that was in Kansas City. So Wizards was unique in the sports landscape, but it was not unique or had any sort of local connection uh, to the city of Fort Wayne. And I think even over the time that we used it as the Wizards, um, you know, it never really gained traction as something that even the community really felt was their own. And so I think that really Gave, our, gave ourselves the opportunity as we were transitioning from Memorial Stadium into a downtown ballpark in Parker Field in 2009 to really say, is Wizards the best name to continue with moving forward? And is there a better option? Sure. So in 2009, you know, you, you really delved into, I mean, you went from having essentially no local connection to this really fun hyper-local connection the two things that I've noted about Fort Wayne, Indiana, in terms of the the history as it relates, well, not as it relates to baseball, but just in general, the first professional baseball game was played there in 1871. Yeah. And then, of course, the the history that you decided to go with was, you know, this this history of John Chapman, a.k.a. Johnny Appleseed, who a lot of yeah. people, I think, think is sort of a legend, right, but is actually a real person, a real human being who yeah. is buried in Fort Wayne, Indiana. So what made you decide to, to tap into the, the history of Johnny Appleseed to, to build a baseball brand around? Well, I think when we started the whole process of, hey, if not the Wizards, then what? We just looked and said, okay, well, we, we looked around the landscape of minor league baseball. And at the time, uh, and even still today, teams like the Montgomery Biscuits, the Lansing Lugnuts, you know, being able to be... Uh, self-referential, being able to, you know, being able to be self-deprecate, like 
we wanted something that connected with the community, but also was fun and different and unique. Um, you know, something that people, this community could own. And, and we wanted to give this community the opportunity to have something that they could see a connection to. Uh, and also something that's family friendly, you know, grandma, grandpa, all the way down the, the young kids could be associated with. So we took several different tracks of, you know, we did a rename the team contest. We got 2,500 submissions. Um, and so we categorized them. Some of them were they're historical. Fort Wayne was actually a fort. It was founded in 1794. Uh, General Anthony Wayne, whose nickname was Mad Anthony Wayne, was the, the primary name of the name. The fort was named after him. So we're like, okay, there's all this historical things that went along with fort. So you could imagine the cannonballs, all the all that sort of thing. There was another one. Fort Wayne is known and has a history of invention. There are quite a number of things that random things, but a number of things that were invented in Fort Wayne, the gasoline pump, the, I think the washing machine, uh, first video game, um, any number of things. So we're like, okay, there's fun things here. Philo Farnsworth, one of the first folks in terms of inventing a TV, he lived here amongst several other places, but Philo Farnsworth, Fort Wayne. And then one was the fact that we're, uh, like many settlements on the convergence of rivers, uh, so there's three river, two rivers joined together to form the Maumee River, the St. Mary's, the St. Joe formed the Maumee. So it's something river related. So those were kind of the tracks that we were on. And then, um, you know, John Chapman, Johnny Appleseed was something that everybody, every school in town here does, I think in first or second grade, does like a, a, a section on Johnny Appleseed and John Chapman, the American folk history behind uh, that person that he was a real person, but then he got Disneyized in a uh, animated movie that was, um, you know, Johnny Appleseed. And in the movie, he's got a tin cooking pot on his head. So he didn't have to carry it a satchel that had his seeds and his Bible in it. And then he walked around barefoot. And that was like the quintessential imagery of Johnny Appleseed. Um, we also know that every year in Fort Wayne, there's a Johnny Appleseed festival that takes place at Johnny Appleseed Park. Um, and it draws over 300,000 people. It's an all-day Saturday, all-day Sunday. It's old-timey. Uh, everything is is late 1700s uh, dressed, and they've got all the sort of cooking going on and wood carving demonstrations and all. I mean, it is amazing. It's our family's favorite thing to do every year. So it's certainly something this community knows and is a part of the fabric. Uh, and it's Johnny Appleseed Park is where John Chapman's uh, grave site is. Um, there's several other locations that claim that that's where John Chapman is buried, but that's kind of part of the, the fun and intrigue of, of American Folk Hero is that there's alternate claims for sites, uh, but Fort Wayne knows that it's at that location. <laughs> Definitely Fort Wayne. Um, yeah, so, so we're like, okay, we could do something fun with that. It's something that's already known, you know, and we're like, could we, should we be the Apple Seeders? And then we're like, well, we got to stay away from Apple because Apple's computer uh, you know, they're going to protect all kinds of copyright and trademark stuff, anything associated with that. Um, so then we just, we, one of the names of that 2,500 as we're going through and looking at specifically the Apple kind of theme was the tin caps. And we're like, well, baseball players, their headgear is, that's what they're known for. It's called a baseball cap. Even if, a, even if someone's quarterback's wearing it on the sideline of NFL game, it's like, it's a baseball cap. They're a football player. It's not a football cap. So we're like, well, they always wear their baseball cap when they're playing. 
And Johnny Appleseed, even though it was folklore, you know, he always wore his tin cooking pot on his head when he moved around. So he's like, he wore his tin cap, just like our uh, players will wear their caps. And then it kind of formed from there. It's like, well, we, we want an apple. We want that to be tied in. We're going to put the tin cap on top. And if I could tell you how many different angles and shapes and sizes and thickness and apple, that looks all the design process was fantastic, uh, but also frustrating of like, that looks too much like a tomato. That looks huh. too much like a this. Um, but yeah, so when the tin caps kind of started to flesh out and we're like, what's that quintessential logo on that hat gonna be? Um, you know, it just, everything just kind of fell into place. And one thing that I felt cemented it for me, we were down like four finalists for names and we actually fleshed out logos for all four uh, of the, finalists internally um when i went online to see what urls you know website names are available yeah. and the fact that tincaps.com was actually available that signaled to me that it was unique uh and that if a seven letter url was available even in 2008 when we we're going through this process that that meant that we had something that we could really own and uh on top of the fact that the design we really loved and felt we could do a lot of things with not only the logo, but also kind of the apple tree orchard, that sort of theme that we've been able to continue throughout the, the ballpark as well. And that, that logo in 2009 was created by Sky Design in Atlanta. Sky without an E, not to be confused with Sky Dillon, who's doing designs now, that's Sky with an E. Uh, so what was the reaction when when this, you know, after having had the Wizards for, you know, a decade and a half, when you unveiled this, this, uh, you know, really family friendly brand, you know, red and green with the complimentary sort of Christmas colors, right? Like, and you know, the, the apple and the, the metallic letters, uh, you know, the letters look like they're cut out of tin. What was the reaction in the community to this pretty significant change in the tone of the brand? Yeah. So I, I kind of to set the scene, you know, 2009, uh, we launched it in, in October, 2008 in the fall where are the wizard season had ended. Um, and people knew we were going to be rebranding going into the new ballpark because we had already kind of determined that. Um, you know, this is before just the, the the dawn of social media. You know, Facebook was around, but just in its early stages, there was no Twitter was really young, but nothing like it is now. The landscape is completely different. Um, and then we had talked to our counterparts in Montgomery and we had said, hey, how was the response to the biscuits? We talked to our friends in Lansing. What was the response to the love nuts? And some of the teams that had had, had great success in terms of selling merchandise and their communities were in love with their teams and the team name. And we said, what was the response when you guys originally unveiled? What should we be prepared for? And the overwhelming response was like, hold on to something, trust <laughs> yourself, and be ready for a wave of, of initial wave of disappointment and disbelief that you would name your team something like that. And I was like, really? Like, this, but this is great. Oh, you guys weren't the tin caps. You know, this, this is going to be awesome. And they're like, no, if you do something that's unique and something people haven't heard before, it's going to take a while for their brain to attach that association they're like plus you're going to be announcing a name and a logo out into the world and it's not it's not attached to anything like it won't be 
Tin Caps game, you're not going to announce it your first game. You're not announcing it when they walk into the mm. new stadium and they see how you're using it on the video board and what the jerseys look like. You're, they're just going to hear a name, especially then, like, they're not, unless they go to the newspaper or the evening news, they're not even going to see the logo. How would you, I mean, you're, you're going to put it on your website, yes, but directing people to your website to see it, it's not like we could launch it and be like, oh, here it is on our Instagram account, here's on Facebook, everyone gets to see it. How does Tin Caps relate? So one story Montgomery folks told us was um, they announced it at a music festival in Montgomery. They went up on stage in front of thousands of people. And I don't think they anticipated they're just going to get this huge roar. Uh, but the story that was shared with us was they announced the name, the new baseball team in Montgomery is going to be the Biscuits. And it was silence, <laughs> like, like crickets. And then they said they heard someone from the back start to boo. Oh. And it was like, I was like, Okay, that's okay. I can brace myself for that. And then they said, yeah, then they went over to their uh, merchandise booth that they had and they sold like $10,000 worth of merchandise yeah. that day. And yeah. so I was like, okay, that, okay, we, we're going to have to brace for this. So we announced the name and it was interesting talking to folks I knew around town. They're like, all we heard was the name. Like we didn't see the logo because all uh, people talking, oh, did you hear about the tin cat? The, New name is the Tin Cups. It's the Tin Cap. Uh, what is that? What does that even mean? And people are like, oh, how is that going to strike fear into your opponents? And it's like, well, that's not the point. Like right. they're like, oh, it should have been the should have been the Generals. It should have been the Falcons. It should have been the the River Raiders. Whatever. And it's again, those are all fine names. Uh, but the thing that I think we really took away from you know the folks in our industry that we trust that had launched some really um, you know, unique names. So they're like, if you don't get a reaction when you announce it, then you've made a mistake mm -hmm. because you could roll out with the Fort Wayne generals because you had general Anthony Wayne, who was the, right. the namesake of the city. And they'd be like, Oh, that makes sense. And yeah. then you're not going to sell any merchandise and you're not going to have any, you know, there's plenty of generals. The Harlem Globetrotters beats the generals every single time they play. Um, <laughs> so, we announced it and it was, it, it was exactly what they told us it was going to be. They said, we we're like, we can't believe this. Uh, we have one, we have a Johnny Appleseed festival in Fort Wayne that I mentioned before. There's a, there was a historian uh, that did was like a live reenactor, like at the festival, he would come out and do like a 20 minute talk about John Chapman. And um, they did a, a local TV station, did an interview with him and said, uh, what do you think about the name, you know, an homage to John Chapman? And he literally said, and I'll watch this clip. It's still on YouTube somewhere. Uh, he's like, John Chapman would roll over in his grave if he found out that uh, they were naming the tin caps after him. And, you know, this, he would not be proud of this at all. And so, it, I mean, it was, it was rough for a couple of weeks. And then, then we started, uh, you know, rolling out some t-shirts and we opened a store at the mall because at the time the ballpark wasn't completed yet. And people started seeing the gear and started seeing how the logo was going to be on hats. And um, fast forward to the end of 2009 and we had a season and people could put the, the tin caps in Parkview Field and the, everything together, how we were going to do it. We were the number one selling logo and brand in all of minor league baseball. And that was 160 teams at the time. Um, so, I mean, we felt, uh, vindicated, not in a, in a way of like, 
proved anybody wrong, but you know, we we felt that we were in a good place with a unique brand, with a strong uh, that people were going to come to understand how this all works together. Um, and people don't say boo about it anymore. I mean, I think after that first year, they're like, yeah, I love going to Tin Caps games because it, it was associated with something now. It wasn't just this concept or idea or something they never heard before. So um, it was just an amazing process to go through. Uh, I think that there was several years where I just was like, I don't think I ever have to go through that again. <laughs> like that was just a rough, a rough few weeks of folks yeah. saying there's still time to change it. You can go back, you know, you could, be the, you could go to something boring and generic. There's right. still time. So the brand has had staying power, right? I mean, you haven't had to consider going through that. I mean, the, you know, it's been 13 seasons now with it. And well, we're in, I guess, in the 14th season with, with this brand, which in minor league baseball is kind of an eternity, right? You know, in these, these days of, of sort of constant rebrands, the fact that, that you've had this brand for as long as you've had, and, and, you know, with the exception of some additional logos that you created in 2017 that we were talking about some type-based logos based on apple peels those are really fun but the the main apple character and the type you know based on metal cutouts has been around unchanged for you know since 2009 and so obviously that speaks to the the quality of a brand that at the time probably felt pretty wacky but today feels more sort of like a time-tested classic yeah, it we we're trying to find ways to double down on tin caps. We love our primary red apple. We call him Red, like just in terms of like what his persona is. We've talked about the idea of even extending into are there other with so many varieties of apple. Are there other members of the tin caps family out there um, that that could join him and be him still be the the focus he's still the lead singer of the band but are there other things that can kind of flesh out um you know what the tin caps are and try it like i like you mentioned in terms of some brand extensions that we did several years ago just kind of tie into the whole theme you know there's trees and apples and apple peels and the tin caps thing and our mascot is johnny uh you know johnny tin cap and and he's got that kind of barefoot uh tin cap on his head uh, persona so yeah, if anything, we've we've so much enjoyed what the Tin Caps has been, but also we still look forward to what the Tin Caps can be and will be in the future and just finding ways to continue to uh, supply, supply things that still fall within that, that feel and brand and vibe and, and feeling that people have with the Tin Caps, um, you know, and make it even bigger and better. So, you know, that's really fun. You let your creativity kind of run when you've got such... Uh, an ample opportunity to to be creative within a space. And, you know, I don't think we've thought we've, we've done a couple like what ifs, you know, what if we had one of the names we talked about uh, in 2008 was the octane Fort Wayne octane, you know, the rhyme scheme and the gasoline pump was invented here in Fort Wayne. Uh, but oddly enough at the time in 2008 is when gas prices uh, were all the way up to five bucks a gallon. And yeah. we've hit that again here recently. Yeah. So we're like, ah, I don't think we want, that to be what we tied with and octane feels more in, in our minds, you know, that'd be a great arena football team, right. major league lacrosse, you know, it kind of had more of a hard chrome flame yeah. sort of thought. I could see you guys doing like a, 
like the the Burlington sock puppets have sort of multiple sock puppet characters. The Florida fire frogs had different types of frogs. I could see you guys introducing alternate logos that were like a crab apple and a Granny Smith, or you know, like different kind, like you were saying, different kinds of of apples. I mean, that yeah. seems like a, a fun possibility for expansion. Michael, I've kept you longer than I meant to, but I, very quickly, I wanted to ask you about one of the alternate brands that you guys did. You supported the AAGPBL, the All American Girls Professional Baseball League Monument with, yeah. uh, and you played as the Fort Wayne Daisies. Yep. That was really cool. How was that received? And, and what was the sort of impetus for that? Well, Fort Wayne's got such a rich baseball history. Uh, you know, the first professional baseball game was played here against Cleveland. Uh, we claim the first night game here as well, even though there's another another location that claims they were the first night game. But the Daisies being part of that, you know, a league of their own, uh, you know, really brought shined a light on that professional girls baseball league that really took off while World War II was going on. And a lot of Major League Baseball's biggest stars were were fighting you know, for our country. Um, you know, the Daisies were just part of the, the community. There wasn't professional baseball here at the time. And and they came in and, and it was this Midwest vibe of, of teams playing against each other and the community loved it. And there's still members of the community that there's a few still remaining that played back in the 40s and 50s, but then the families still live in town and there's granddaughters and grandsons and, and, and the, you know, all those that's going on. So it's still part of the, the kind of fabric of Fort Wayne. And so, um, you know, this year for us to go, you know, all in on the daisies and we had former daisies and players who invited them to come back and they threw out a first pitch and got recognized and signed autographs for hours. It was just so fun to just the the, the respect and recognition that they were able to, to have was tremendous. And so, yeah, the Fort Wayne daisies is something that we'll continue to just embrace as part of baseball history. And I, I foresee us playing games as the daisies, you know, well into the future and um, you know, something that we want to make sure that the folks that came before the tin caps in this community that really created a baseball um, love here continues to live on. And, and those ladies that, you know, played for the Daisies, um, you know, certainly did that and played for the love of the game. And, and this community really rallied around them then and continues to want to support that uh, as we move forward. Michael, thank you so much. This has been so much fun to to learn about this team. I'm so looking forward to getting to the ballpark. That uh, I keep hearing such amazing things about the the ballpark that you have. I know we're going to be there on a busy night, and so we're we're looking forward to seeing a huge crowd. And uh, just thank you so much for coming on and talking about the uh, about the Tin Caps and this fun brand and the fun history that goes into it. My pleasure. I'm excited. To, I'm so proud of it, and proud to be a, just one small part of making it happen and now trying to curate it and make sure it continues uh, positively in the future. And we look forward to seeing you here soon and showing you around. The baseball Palooza guys will, will be there. Michael, where uh, are you on Twitter? Uh, yeah. Um, great. Yeah. M M Lim M L I M M on Twitter okay. uh, is where you can find me. Fantastic. Thank you, Michael. This has been fun. All right. Take care. All right, everyone, welcome back. I'm very happy to be joined once again for the second time on the podcast by Tiffany Chen of Sky Design. Tiffany, thank you so much for, for coming back to talk to me. Thanks, Paul. Good to see you again. So the Fort Wayne Tin Caps were the first minor league baseball logo that, that you all created. What were the challenges 
in creating, you know, as a as an accomplished design firm that's done a lot of work in, in other areas, what were the challenges in creating your first minor league baseball logo? Well, that's 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 a really great question. You know, prior to the tin caps uh, sky design, we had we had a fair amount of experience with um, both professional, uh, collegiate, and uh, a little bit of minor league environmental graphics, exploring existing brands. Uh, how does that brand get translated into more temporary events like training weeks and training days and more permanent spaces? But this was our first endeavor into a full holistic brand that would also be implemented in a physical space. So besides the brand, we were also responsible for signage at the new stadium. How does it get extrapolated inside of the stadium and in specialty suites? Um, and from a conceptual approach, it was very similar to other projects in that we treated it as a boutique project. It was as we as we approach every project, we think of it as as singular and independent of other projects as possible. Mm -hmm. And in addition to that, though, we were simply really excited. I mean, the the gentleman that I worked with at the time, he and I are huge sports fans. And while I have a professional leaning towards football and a collegiate uh, allegiance towards football, I still love baseball. And we both love every sport. So that passion was something that made it pretty... Um, it supported a lot of our energy that we needed because naming, branding, and creating a mark that has a legacy to it is not an easy task. So not only was this the first minor league baseball brand that Sky Design had created, but it was replacing a brand. It's it's in a city with a with a storied baseball tradition, yeah. replacing a brand that, you know, the Fort Wayne Wizards. Yep. while the, the name itself wasn't inspired, right? Like it just comes from the alliteration. And we're going to talk about that later in this episode with Logan Weening. But the the fact of going into a market that has a, a deep tradition of, of baseball in a lot of different ways, you know, and to to create a new brand, especially when it's your first one in, in this, you know, in this field in specific, that must have also been something of a, of a, of a challenge for you. Absolutely. I mean, we by no means were ignorant of the fact that we, we don't live there. Um, we came from different regions of the United States and then of course had live, uh, both live within the Atlanta area and had for a while. And I do think that our own personal history and recognition of how different regional uh, fan bases have personalities and culture that awareness certainly supported our efforts to make sure that this was an embraceable uh, brand and mark and uh, appearance to to the to the design. And we also just knew in general that there had to be a name and there had to be a story and there had to be um, some kinship and connection that people didn't just like once. They needed to feel as if they could have a mark that people could recognize in other cities mm -hmm. and have, you know, maybe a special wave or a special saying, but certainly something where it immediately did connect back to that city and back to that region. 
Absolutely. Well, and so you referenced the process, you referenced the fact that you all as designers were coming from different parts of the country. What was the process? Did you go learn about Johnny Appleseed? Did you visit Fort Wayne? Did you delve you know, into that history to, to start the process of creating this brand? Absolutely. And we were lucky to be asked to create naming possibilities. Mm. So it didn't start with just them saying, hey, this is going to be the Fort Wayne Tin Caps, come up with something for it. Mm. We were part of and, and I won't share the names, but we were part with a very long naming process of what, um, what could replace the Fort Wayne Wizards. Because I think if there was any definite, it was we we're probably not keeping the Fort Wayne Wizards. Mm-hmm. So what would it be? What could the names be? What has, uh, what really captures all of the things we talked about, right? A history, a kinship, a connection, a legacy that is starts from day one and continues theoretically forever. Mm-hmm. and how do we move that forward? So you're right. We, we did a ton of research about Fort Wayne, about Indiana, about previous team names, because I think that's always a consideration. Is there something that we can return back to current day? Um, and then as we shortlisted the names, we started to come up with possibilities for how it would be represented. Mm-hmm. Um, I think even from the, when we did head towards the Fort Wayne tin caps, there were considerations of, all right, well, the primary mark might look like an apple with a Johnny Appleseed, you know, tin cap on its head, but what would the secondary marks look like and how strong are those? Can they be, you know, does somebody want to purchase it? Because as we know, um, MILB's success often is dictated by the revenue that's generated by the materials and the merchandise. And through that process of our shortlist of names and how does it get represented and is there depth to it, we landed on the tin caps because it just continues to get built. You could have different types of apples. You could have different family members of of the tin cap. You could have different names for the tin caps. And, you know, there's MILB, if there's anything that was reinforced through our process is that it is a sport and a section of that sport that is appealing theoretically appealing to everybody from the grandparents to the kids to the parents everybody wants to be there and everybody wants to wear that apparel and it's and it's fun and that's a big part too i think a lot of minor league baseball teams to be honest are as much fashion brands as they are you know actual sports teams especially in a in a in a version of the sport where the team doesn't control who its players are, right? Absolutely. I mean, you Absolutely. Know, so yeah. you have to focus on the family entertainment aspect of it. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this this brand in particular is fun for me because I know there's all sorts of concession possibilities. I don't know if it's there. Oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't actually recall seeing this when I was there. I was there this this past summer as part of my baseball palooza road trip that I take with college buddies. They had a, a concession item that was like a giant helmet with like several apples and a bunch of ice cream and like whipped cream and rainbow jimmies on it. And it was like this this monstrosity of like an ice cream apple thing. So That's, uh, that sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did just get like the regular uh, ice cream helmet. And I have to tell you, the logo looks great on an ice cream helmet. It's uh, it's a really. It's the the green and red. I mean, this is sort of a funny thing, right? Like my my background's in graphic design as well. Um, Part of what I do is my my full-time gig. Using red and green in a logo, I have used like 
lime green and sort of like a dark red before i've used different reds and greens and people always just say ah it's christmas any red any green people see christmas you know i haven't heard that ever said about this this brand the fact that it's red and green no one has ever said christmas uh, about it to me i think this is why you see blue and orange right like it's not associated Mm -hmm. with a holiday was that something that you talked about is that color combination something where you're like oh is this are we going to get this you know um i think that and and you probably recognize this as a graphic designer you you have to have that awareness as you put colors together that there's going to be something conveyed or a connotation that's a possibility but honestly and I, i'm racking my brain and dusting you know dusting the dust off that there wasn't a huge concern over this feeling like christmas and i think a lot of that had to do with the evolution of the design process of it being so um, and we did look at other colors for mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. for the apple to be. Yeah, I don't think it was because of Christmas, but it was really just part of the development. But it just feels natural. And you know, the green that was chosen, the the dark sort of hunter green, it's a very baseball color, mm-hmm. right? It's the mm-hmm. traditional sort of steel trusses and and feeling of a, a historic stadium, and it feels baseball. So when you combine that with the red of an apple that already has a green leaf to some degree, it just doesn't have, I don't think the mind immediately goes there. Mm-hmm. And so as we built the brand, there absolutely was a balance that we had to have with how, you know, what percentage of each color was utilized and how does that, what, what is the strategy for certain types of applications? But I don't know, the colors just evolved and they just felt very good together. They do. They. I'm wearing the hat right now, and I just, you know, I, this it, it very quickly became one of my favorite caps after I bought it. You know, these minor league baseball teams, they all do these food-based uh, alternate identities, and you guys are already a, a food-based identity here. So this logo, you know, it was unveiled in 2009. It has stood the test of time. It's It doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. The minor league baseball landscape has shifted dramatically, the logo landscape, the visual landscape. What do you attribute its its longevity to? I, I just think it's embraceable. You know, it's it's an identity that is, and and I will say that we we worked hard on making it embraceable. You know, there were many iterations of what that face would look like, and we had a lot of conversations about what is a mark that feels like it has a little bit of feistiness, but it doesn't feel unapproachable. Uh, we talked about a lot about the difference between major and minor league baseball, and you know, um, professional and minor league. And we wanted to ensure that it's not so aggressive that it is, um, it doesn't, it doesn't carry a lot of tense feelings. You know, it it really needed to convey fun more than aggression. And I think that's what's helped. And uh, certainly I think stylistically, we created a system that could be easily applied to in many different forms and, and on many different materials. We worked hard at checking ourselves with what we created. And, um, and then the other aspect to it is that it just has a depth to it that, as we've talked a little bit about already, you know, you can sort of separate the, the cap from the apple and use that on its own. You have the history of Johnny Appleseed. You have just the idea of apples in general. You know, you have the little grimace on on the um, face that could be 
shifted digitally if it needed to be. So there was a personality and a character to it. And we wanted to make sure that it had a character, it had character traits that you wanted to know, but didn't feel so cartoony that we were, um, you know, dismissing the intelligence of the fan base either. <laughs> Absolutely. You know what? I really want to see the team someday have a hat that actually looks like, I mean, not actually metal, but like that looks like the tin cap that the the Apple is wearing. I'd oh, love to the, see the there, team. there is. Um, that would be amazing. That, there used to be a foam one that you could buy the backwards cap oh, yeah. and there was a big phone one. Um, we sense. know, yeah, they had that on opening day and that was really cool to see like a bunch of kids with these, these foam <laughs> tin caps. Um, but it, it'd be fun to translate that into a, you know, batter's helmet one day just to Absolutely. see what would happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tiffany, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate you coming on and talking about the tin caps and the work that, that you all do uh, in, in minor league baseball. Where can people find Sky Design? Well, thanks for having me, um, Juan Paul. It's it's been great. Uh, good reliving some of these <laughs> thoughts and the process. Um, people can find Sky at skydesigngraphics.com. That has our information. It has my information if anyone wants to get in touch with me. And uh, we're on Instagram, and that handle is on the website as well. Fantastic. Tiffany, thank you so much. This has been such a pleasure to get to, to meet you and talk about your work in minor league baseball. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone. Welcome back. This is this is really fun for me. I get to talk right now with a gentleman who I met the day after I went to my first Fort Wayne Tin Caps game, Logan Weening with the Old Fort Baseball Company, which is of uh, note because Logan grew up going to Fort Wayne Wizards games. And so we actually went out for a run the day after uh, I went to the, the Tin Caps game. If I understand, you were at a, a bachelor party, so you couldn't join yes. us for the actual game. All right. Yep. <laughs> but we got we got we had a, a great time out running the, the following day and, and got to chatting. And you were talking about growing up with the Wizards. I see that you're wearing a Wizards cap right now, which, yes. which I love. So I definitely want to talk about the Old Fort Baseball Company, which is based in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Mm -hmm. Before we get to that, let's just let's talk about the Wizards, because everyone, you know, so far uh, in this episode, we've just sort of been discounting the Wizards as, you know, a team that, that there was alliteration between Fort Wayne and the word Wizards. So what did what did that brand mean to you growing up with that team? Yeah, I mean, like you said, it does kind of just fall with the alliteration. Um, but for me, that was baseball in my childhood in Fort yeah. Wayne. Um you know, when I grew up as somebody who was a crazy baseball fan, grew up, you know, a insane Cubs fan, still am. But as far as seeing games in person, it was it was going to Wizards games um, at Memorial Stadium. And, you know, I didn't know any different. That wasn't at the time the stadium was was good. And for me as a as a little kid, it was an awesome experience anytime I got to see live baseball. Um, my dad always jokes that, you know, his friends and people he worked with were shocked that I had never been to the kids area at the field because <laughs> I, you know, you went and I was there to watch baseball. And that was that was just what it was. So it's a it definitely has the the nostalgia element for me um, as a baseball fan. So I know that they had a couple of different logos. They had uh, one that was, I guess the, the most recent one was like a dragon yep. with a baseball bat. But then there was also one that was actually a, a wizard himself looks like Gandalf or whatever, right? Yes. Like it was sort of a, a wizardy looking character. First of all, this this team, the Wizards, they, they played from uh, 93 to 2008. 
which uh, as I see those dates, it actually, I noticed that it bookends the Phillies uh, National League titles. Oh, the, there you go. They, they went from 93 to 2008 <laughs> without winning the National League. So those are both dates for me as a, as a Phillies fan that are important. <laughs> but so so that team was around for 16 seasons. Mm-hmm. Was there was there a particular brand that you preferred? Was there, you know, did you have, did you have a lot of gear from the teams? Yeah, I think for me at the time while it was going on, um, they switched to the Dragon logo probably, I forget what year, but that's what I remember the most going to. Um, So that's kind of what I associate with seeing the team. Um, I had things, I have old posters, I have some baseballs and stuff with both on them, kind of probably buried at my parents' house somewhere. the the main thing I always remember with the original, his name was Wayne the Wizard, the right. uh, very original, you know, Wayne, <laughs> Fort Wayne, um, but was apparently the first game I ever went to, I was like three years old and the mascot, you know, comes up to say hi, because it was a little kid and I was not into it and uh-huh. was terrified because um, it was when you look back, like you said, kind of Gandalf looking kind of yeah. creepy. Yeah. So to a three year old who'd never seen a mascot before <laughs> uh, was not the most settling of characters. But yeah. but no. So now, you know, I kind of look back at that original one and that's what I like the most, just because it's the more retro looking like cool 90s baseball logo Um, it's actually in that context now it is actually kind of great right like he's holding a baseball like it's a like it's a crystal ball and he's got the sort of traditional wizard cap with the stars and the moons on it and so yeah it you know i think if you could if you could find that now you could wear it around and people wouldn't know if you were wearing it ironically or not. Right. Like, right. <laughs> it's like just cool sure. enough that maybe it's ironic and maybe it's not. So yeah, the, the tin caps will, will bust that out every maybe five or so years and they'll sell out of it immediately. Right. It, right. Cause it goes so fast. So <laughs> it's very yeah. cool. Definitely the wizard's better than the dragon. You know, the dragon yeah. just looks like it's uh, you know, it's from a kid's TV show. I yeah. think so. <laughs> Well, so your company, Old Fort Baseball, you're more than just a, a guy who went to Wizards games as a kid, right? Like you, <laughs> you have a, a you established, you founded this organization, this company, Old Fort Baseball mm-hmm. Company, that delves into the history of baseball, sort of at large. But I know that you have a focus on Fort Wayne because you grew up there. I know you went away for a little bit and then you came back. So, can you talk about sort of what what you do with with the history of baseball as it pertains to uh, Fort Wayne, Indiana? Yeah. So, you know, growing up here as a baseball fan, and I've always had a a keen eye towards local sports. I've always gone to whether it was arena football games, basketball games, you know, Wizards games, Tin Caps games, any sport that's played in Fort Wayne, I've probably attended multiple games. Um, But I was always looking into kind of the history and the past of what did exist and all of that. You know, I remember I think it was seventh or eighth grade, we had to, you know, write your first real big research paper in mm-hmm. school. And I wrote it on the history of baseball in Fort Wayne, um, you know, and really dug back into all of the teams that is, had existed. You know, the first professional baseball game was played here in 1871. You've got the the Daisies who, you know, people know a decent amount about just mm-hmm. because of a league of their own and yeah. the impact that it had here. Um, but then the amount of players, major league, um, minor league, whatever that have come from Fort Wayne, mm-hmm. you know, but you don't see much of that around in Fort Wayne. You know, you go to other cities, um, you see a lot of that kind of heritage stuff um, 
from older teams and the older things in the community. And from a sports perspective, it's just not something I saw in the community here. And I really saw that as an opportunity to, to kind of bring that and celebrate that to the community here. Mm -hmm. And on your website, you have a handful of collections in that you mentioned mm -hmm. the, the, the Fort Wayne Daisies, that was an all-American professional girls baseball team that played, you know, alongside the Rockford Peaches. I kind of wish that this new TV show that is on, what is it, Amazon Prime? It's on, yeah. on I kind of wish that that had followed a different team besides the Peaches, right? Like we got the story yeah. of the Peaches already. And so it would have been, it would have been interesting to highlight a team like the Daisies, right? That would have been, that would have brought some nice attention to another team. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, they're they're sticking with what what people are familiar with. But I think there is a lot of opportunity in both the movie and the show where they could have kind of given some more recognition and some more notoriety to to the other teams in the league and the other cities in the Midwest here that that really played an important part in kind of the history and the landscape of baseball in this country. Sure. You know, I was impressed with I mean, you sort of rattled off a handful of things there about Fort Wayne in particular mm -hmm. and its bona fides as a baseball town, right? Like in the the, yeah. the first professional game taking place there in 1871 is a, is a great fact, right? And yeah. it was it was one of the stops on our uh, baseball palooza tour and that's where where you and I got the the chance to meet uh briefly. We went for a real nice run along the river there yeah. and the the train tracks. But it was, you know, it was it was interesting for me to hear about all the history in in Fort Wayne. And it's one of my favorite things about, you know, the Baseball Palooza road trip is every year I get to sort of learn about a different different part of the country. The existing team that's there now is the Tin Caps. Obviously, I mean, we've talked on this episode already about the history behind that logo and nickname. But just the ballpark itself is super nice, right? Like it's a it, it was yeah. a beautiful setting for a game. And, you know, it's a it's a fun it's a fun brand. I like the brand and, you know, it it, it represents the the existing era of baseball in in Fort Wayne pretty well which what's your relationship with the tin caps it's I mean it's a great like you said it's a great stadium it's a great brand um you know when when that stadium opened it was such a kind of bolt of energy into mm -hmm. Fort Wayne as a whole but into downtown Fort Wayne um so it opened I was probably I think I was in seventh grade when the stadium opened yeah. um so, you know, I went to a ton of games just because I, it was so incredible and it was so state of the art at the time. And it's still an amazing stadium, but now you've seen so many stadiums, very similar, mm -hmm. you know, open up. But at the time it was so different than what we were used to with the yeah. old kind of concrete block stadium. Yeah. Um, so I've always been going to games ever since I got a driver's license, I would go to games by myself, just kind of walk around, take in the game, whatever. Yeah. Um, but then I started working for the the Mad Ants, the uh, D-League team, basketball team here in town. Yeah. Um, so I've really gotten to know a lot of the staff over there just because we, it's a, you know, the size of Fort Wayne, it's a big city, but there's a lot of crossover within the sports industry, especially where we've got people that work each other's games as far as game day staff and stuff. I've had yeah. to be the mascot for, for Johnny <laughs> Tin Cap's birthday party before awesome. things like that. So, so yeah. I've really grown to, to know a lot of the people there and it's a, it's a great organization and it's just a, a great asset to the community for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And the, you mentioned the Mad Ants named for general Mad Anthony Wayne. 
And I know that because when I was 16, I worked at the Anthony Wayne Movie Theater in Wayne, Pennsylvania. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it's uh, I, I also grew up in a town named for Anthony yeah. Wayne, who uh, who was not a good person, by the way. I mean, we... <laughs> no, not, not necessarily. <laughs> that is uh, lost to history in some ways. Yes. But... Well, this is, I mean, this is, it was such a, a treat to get to meet you and to to talk about yeah. that Wizards team. And it was, it was funny because I had already conducted a couple of the interviews that are going to be on this, this episode. I don't know. I think your, your affinity for the, for the, the Wizards was, you know, I really enjoyed that because it's like, yeah, yeah it was part of your community. It's part of your childhood. And uh, I'll let, before I let you go, I'll ask you this. Was it disappointing to you when they changed their nickname? Was it, did you find that you were going to miss the Wizards? You know, I don't think at the time it was the same thing that, you know, you always talk about with the Brandios guys, mm-hmm. the J-curve situation <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> where, you know, people were so kind of blown away by what, why do we have this apple with a tin pot on his head? Right, um, right. I think I was very open to it. And honestly, the second me and my dad went when they held an open house at the stadium, like a few weeks before opening day. Mm-hmm. And the second we walked around the stadium and saw how they incorporated the branding into the facility, yeah. I think we were bought in. You know, you saw the the concession stands all had Apple themed names and the yeah. store was the orchard and you know, the way that they built the stadium using the brand, I think we were we were bought in at that point. It just seemed you knew it was done with a purpose and it wasn't just some silly name. So I yeah. think I didn't really have a an issue with it. I think it was really exciting. Awesome. Well, people can find you on oldfortbaseballco.com and it's fun to noodle around your, the work that you've done there. Uh, I particularly enjoy, by the way, the the Ballpark Hunter, uh, Mark Viquez's yeah. pod, podcast, Ballpark Hunter. You created a new logo for him and yeah. uh, I, I always enjoy that logo when it pops up on my on my podcast yes. feed. And so it's nice to, to chat with you since I've seen your work out there in the world. It's Definitely. nice to actually uh, get to know you and talk to you and Everyone should go go check out uh, oldfortbaseballco.com. And then where else can people find you on social media? Yeah, um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook at Old Fort Baseball Co. It's easy. Brand Synergy, yeah. nice job by yes. you there. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, Logan Weening, thank you so much. I appreciate you uh, coming on and chatting. And uh, hopefully we'll we'll get to go for a run in another baseball city or maybe even go to a baseball game. Oh, I have to mention. The the ice cream helmets that they served at the Tin Caps game were massive and awesome. Yes. It was hard ice cream. <laughs> and it was like, but it was like one little ice cream helmet. It was sort of hard for me to finish. Like it took right. me a while to get through. So that was they uh, knew you were coming. They prepared. Uh, I guess so. I guess so. Was, <laughs> that is an enduring memory of that ballpark. In addition to all the other amenities, yeah. you know, the open concourse and the great view and the nice seating. It's the the awesome helmet Sundays. So. Awesome. Logan, thanks so much. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Yeah, thanks, Paul. All right, everyone, welcome back. This is this is super exciting for me because, you know, I love to delve into these these subject matters where these logos and nicknames come from. And so right now, I'm very, very happy to be joined by Bob Dispenza, who is the Park and Education Manager with Allen County Parks in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Bob is a is a is a history interpreter and is an educator about the about history and lives in Fort Wayne, and so Bob is the perfect person to come on and talk about the history of John Chapman. So Bob, I'll just I'll jump right in. First of all, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Could you give us just sort of a thirty thousand foot view history of who is John Chapman? What is the what is the legend of Johnny Appleseed? Uh, he was born out east and. Um... 
adopted this Swedenborgian religion, part of which one of the tenets is apparently the more you deprivation you suffer in this life, the less you'll have in the next. And so he was never afraid to get out there in the cold and barefoot and uh, do what he thought he needed to do. And he took an apprenticeship with a, um, an orchardist back east. And that's where he kind of got the idea about planting trees. And then he spent the rest of his life traveling around the frontier at that point, Ohio and Indiana and places like that, and um, planting trees and talking about his religion and uh, in general making himself a local character for as long as he stayed around there. He ended up owning quite a bit of land in various states. And um, here in Allen County, he owned several plots that he used for planting orchards. The end of his life apparently happened here, though there was some dispute about that. But in 1916, a group of the local folks got together to put an iron fence around his grave, which was on the old woods farm. And um, some people who were there at the time at the 1916 dedication were at the funeral. So they were, you know, they, the folks here said there's really no mis reason for them to mistake the location of his grave because they were there at the funeral. So there is a place called Johnny Appleseed Park here where he is buried and there's an iron fence around it and a little stone marker. And here's where he met his end and got recycled. So in your role with Allen County Parks, do you find that, that this is a subject that comes up a lot in, in this part of, of Indiana? Occasionally, not as much as you think. And you know, when the tin caps became more popular, more people delved into his history. But um, some of the land he owned along the Maumee River for his uh, orchards, one of which I think was part of what was once an Allen County Park, Maumee Gateway, which is down along the river towards the Ohio line. And so there are still some plots of land out there that he owned that if you looked hard enough, you might find a few traces of apple trees. And we have one here planted on this property, which came from Lima, Ohio, which is supposedly a descendant of one of the ones he planted there. And it's got apples on it this year. Ah, very cool. Very cool. So the distinction, obviously, between John Chapman, the, the human being, and this legend of Johnny Appleseed, do you find that there are people who, who come to you not even knowing that John Chapman was a real person, that it isn't just a sort of Paul Bunyan-style myth? Occasionally, yeah, there are, there are folks that think he's just one of those American frontier myths that were, was uh, kind of spontaneously generated by folks out on the frontier, but he was quite a real person and, um, you know, they actually have a mascot who they call Johnny, who is kind of in a full bodysuit and it's got his usual little uh, tin cap on his head. And uh, who makes appearances all around the area. And the team is very popular. And uh, Parkview Field is a very nice field. I have been to one of the games there once. Well, you are wearing a Fort Wayne tin caps cap right now. It features an apple. And then, it, it, you know, the apple himself is is wearing a metal pot as a as a hat. Is this something that John Chapman actually did? Would that have been actually common in the time to wear a pot as a cap? Not common in the time, but he did because he would and actually some of the accounts that were written while he was still alive said he had this contraption on his head that he used as a hat and as a cooking pot. So, you know, this is as close as we're gonna get. And um, when the team first moved here and things started moving for that, um, a lot of the wags said, oh, so tin caps, isn't that the same as potheads? 
<laughs> I didn't think about that. That's funny. I would like to see the team itself actually wear metal caps one day on, on the field. I wonder, wonder how that would be received. <laughs> uh, how long have you been in Fort Wayne? Uh, since uh, the fall of 2001. Okay, so you were there in 2009 when the when the team switched from the Fort Wayne Wizards to the to the Fort Wayne Tin Caps. What was the what was the reaction? Did people embrace it as part of the the local lore? Um, well, they didn't mind so much that it was Johnny Appleseed. Some pe people took objection to the depiction, and some people took objection to the amount of money being spent on the field. Because um, I was actually at a, a Wizards game, and that was kind of a big concrete stadium erected in the middle of the Memorial Coliseum's parking lot. And uh, that's gone now. And now the Coliseum has more parking. But uh, the field is downtown, which some people thought, you know, we're tearing down things downtown to build a field. But as it turns out, it's been very popular. A lot of people go to it. It's kind of like the thing to do in the evenings in the summer. And um, they tend to have a lot of fireworks, which get people interested. And uh, team's done pretty well on and off so you know you mentioned the wizards and we were talking about this in the previous segment that the fort wayne wizards that nickname sort of came from just the fact that wizards had alliteration with fort wayne is there as a longtime resident of the area is there any other connection that you can think of that wizards would have with fort wayne not particularly i mean we have a little comic-con that happens here oh, okay <laughs> people get together and do things but i don't think that has anything to do with that bob just uh uh, I, I really appreciate you coming on and, and using your, your heritage interpretation knowledge and your, your knowledge of the area and uh, your, your role with Allen County Parks to talk about the real John Chapman and the legend of Johnny Appleseed and this, this very interesting brand for this team. Thanks very much for coming on. You're welcome. Is there somewhere where people can follow Allen County Parks or, or, or the work that you do online? Well, we have an Allen County Parks website, allencountyparks.org, so it's easy to get to. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate you doing this, Bob. It's, hey, it's no been problem. fun. All right. Take care.